The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. We should write a book about it and call it For Goodness Snakes. <laughs> the farthest we'll go is Gecko Church. If that's what you believe, I encourage you. No. <laughs> 15 minutes can save you 15 minutes. <laughs> well, this is devolved. <laughs> Man, yeah, I'm sorry. All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm one of your hosts here, Caleb. To my left is... Joshua. To my left is... I'm Joel. And to my left... It's me, Caleb. We've gone full circle, sadly. So sadly. We are missing both Colton and Stuart. It's, it's, it's a sad day, but the show must go on. We have the three of us. Josh is already yawning. Kind of the stars, I would say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other two are the sun and the moon. <clears throat> we were voted, uh, they were voted off the island, as it were. What? <laughs> I'm speechless. I'm how, trying to give lore how fast, <laughs> how fast you guys are just like, uh. <laughs> well, no. it's like we did, we always start on a weird note where we're like, we really miss those guys. Anyways, I guess we have to do a podcast now. It's like, no, I'm still happy to be here. I just also, wish they were here. I didn't put them under the bus. I said that they are the sun and the moon. Yeah, you used a weird yeah. analogy that didn't mean anything. Except anyway. usually the sun and the moon are both gone at the same time, Josh. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Joel, do we do things on the internet? Occasionally, yeah. That's good. Any, any more questions? Holy no, I'm moly. kidding. Yes, we've got secondratesaints.com uh, that you can check out everything we're doing online. Um, <clears throat> our weekly shows, our blog posts, our book reviews, all of that. Um, if you'd like to contribute to the growth of Second Rate Saints in a financial manner, we do have a buy me a coffee link, which is on the website. Correct, Caleb? It is. Cool. I didn't check up on that after, but yeah. It is. It is, it there. is on there. Cool. Um, which is buymeacoffee.com slash Second Rate Saints. And uh, we've got stuff that's coming down the line. I'm very excited to see what the future projects for Second Rate Saints holds. Um, so yeah, keep checking out that website. Yes. Oh, also, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at secondratesaints at gmail.com. Thanks. It makes my day when that happens. Yeah. Um, going right back to you, Joel. Oh, really? Do you read books? <sighs> yeah. I read yeah. a book. I, you've read a book recently. I read a book very recently. And you want to talk about it. So this one's been a slow burn. I've been working on this one kind of on and off for a little while and trying to take decently diligent notes on it. Um, it's one called Identity and Idolatry um, in the New Studies in Biblical Theology series by... Um, IVP. What is it? IVP, yeah. yeah. We've, it's by a guy named Richard Lentz. We, I think we've done two other books in that series before. I think it's um, more than two. Maybe. Because we did Daniel. We did Daniel. And we, oh, and we did Jonah. Yes. Maybe it's not more than two, because I can't remember what the other one would be. Hmm. Unless you've done Revelation yet, have you? Because I know the, you read all things that. new one. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast. Sorry. Oh, anyways, yes. it's great. it's a very good series. It continues to like it's uh, it's edited by D. A. Carson, um, who's got some pretty solid uh, material, and uh, yeah, he just continually hits it out of the park. So what I what I kind of uh, got mostly from identity and idolatry is um, it was a really good a, a little while ago on a 
Thoughts in Real Time episode, we had a conversation on what idolatry was. And uh, this doesn't get quite as much into the historical details on it um, in the same way that we kind of tried to. But it does get into the image of God pretty heavily um, using that uh, in Genesis kind of setting up the world as a temple and then placing man as the image of God last into the temple, um, kind of imitating this um, ceremonial coming together of, um, well, it would be Canaanite, wouldn't it? Canaanite temple stuff or Babylonian temple stuff? Yeah. Like, I, think it's, I think it's generic, like generic Mesopotamian. If, my, if I'm remembering yeah. my John Walton reading. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause Walton will cover some of that stuff as well. Um, yeah, it was, it was very interesting. And uh, the way that he kind of all tied it together, because we, there's this conversation that happens all the time. What is the image of God? We don't, I, I'm not of the opinion that we look like God, mostly because we don't look like each other, right? Like there's not a, a unity of, of uh, the visual human experience. And it's kind of negligible to, to see it as that sense, right? Maybe it's consciousness. Some people have talked about that. Maybe it is um, our position within creation that we are to go forth and subdue it, something like that. Um, but he tries to make it a lot more, he puts a box around it and then allows you to play within that box. Cool. Right. That we are meant to reflect the creator. That is his main um, idea is that, uh, the image of God is that which reflects God. Right. And even one of my favorite comparisons he makes is the, the opposite. See if I can get this right. The opposite of the image of God is the idol maker, not necessarily the idol worshiper, but somebody who creates something in their own image that makes their own identity for themselves and then puts that up to a sacred place, mm -hmm. right? So rather than saying it is idolatry, that is the inverse of being the image of God, it is making your own gods. That is the inverse of, of this creator-creation relationship. Because you're, um, you're placing yourself in the creator place and something else in the exactly would, yeah would yeah. you say that late stage secular existentialism is that Did, yeah can you absolutely please describe sure what that is for the audience try. and um, myself existentialism assumes in secular existentialism assumes there is no meaning therefore we build and ascribe meaning and that is the only meaning in life right and that is mm -hmm. the values you live to it's mm -hmm. it's it's nietzsche's ubermensch yeah right Superman, the one who can create values, and that's the, what society mm -hmm. now moves on. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and which is like why you have today, you have people that are just like, what's your truth? What's this? Yeah. What's that? <coughs> well, and then the argument is, well, if we're the image of God and we reflect God, then what I see in both myself and others, that is a piece of God. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, here's the thing. Even if a mirror is broken, it still reflects, right? So while... While the, the essence of the image of God is still there, while the, um, the nature of the image of God is still there, we don't necessarily see it reflected in all the right ways. In fact, the way that it's most obvious is where it's twisted. Mm. And we're like, that's clearly not God. But there's something about that person that's inherently valuable because they're created in the image of God. Um, Interesting. Yeah, he, he, he picks it apart. He does um, clarify a couple of times don't go searching for the meaning of life in the image of God. It is something that shows up in the first three chapters of the Bible and then is never revisited again, right? There are ideas that reference back to it, 
But it's a good chance that idolatry is the reason why you never really hear about it after Genesis. Because we become so obsessed with images. We become so obsessed with what we can see that we don't actually, you know, it, the relationship with God that's kind of laid out after that is clearly much more of the spiritual, of the relational, of the, you know, um, yeah. more about your relation to the creator. So you being an image of God is so easily distorted that scribes likely never used that yeah. to, imi- the, to, to reference and I've, I've humanity heard people- again. I've heard people go from that to mm-hmm. then go how um, in the relationship between Adam and Eve, there's something about the image of God in that. Okay. And, and you see that, that that's picked up in the, in the new Testament of how Christ loves the church and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and underneath being... that there's, there's a bunch of understanding of wholeness and mm-hmm. closeness that only comes through the sexual union between the two genders. And yet, that's not really talked too much about throughout the Bible. Yeah. Because it's like, mm, that could become easily distorted and perverted and abused. Yeah. Well, idolatry is so closely associated with infidelity, mm. right? Just because there is yeah. this sexual perversion yeah. to it. Um, but there's also this relational perversion to it that it is misaligning the loves of, which is like, yeah. Augustinian yeah. way of looking yeah. at things. It's probably because this idea of the image of God and its relationship with humanity being in wholeness is so deep that it takes the whole Bible to present that idea. And that's why you like, if you continue with the idea that we're being conformed to the image of Christ into the image of God idea, you've got us as priests and Mm -hmm. Kings, like being a kingdom of priests, you've got us in that marriage sense. You've got Christ and the church. You've got like, you've got all of these themes that feed into this one idea that it not being named as one singular thing is probably because it's so complex. Yeah. And the way that the image of God helps mm-hmm. organize thoughts like that yeah. is that it is not imitation, it's reflection. Yeah. Right? So that it is representing God in the way that he created us to act. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is why right relationship, even in, in like marital unions, like what you were saying, Caleb, is uh, 100% tied somehow mm-hmm. to the image yeah. of God. Yeah. Um, even though I think hard and fast rules around what that is um, can be dangerous and can lead you into its own type of existentialism. Um, that is, we only have meaning because someone looks a certain way. It's not great. Mm. It gets into serpent seed stuff, which was a bit of a heresy in early Pentecostal stuff. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to drop that. Just <laughs> back, to this book. Uh, back to the, back to the book though. Um, no, I'm going to talk about this some more. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, how long is it? What do you think? How, who, who's the type of person you would recommend it to? And Josh, how's the cover? So it's 170 pages, something like that. Um, not super long, about eight chapters. He does a good job of uh, focusing the chapters in certain ways. Like um, he definitely argues from the thesis in each chapter. You could probably read each chapter by itself. Okay. Um, so if you're, if you're looking for solid answers to specific questions, mm-hmm. um, just check out the, the table of contents and you're going to have a pretty good chance of finding what you're looking for. So if any of the things we discussed kind of... Yeah, if you'd bit, like to look like, oh. more into that. Um, in some sections, it's brutally technical. Okay. Um, and in others, it's, uh, I'm, I'm reading it and I'm like, man, this preaches. Can I have that back for a second? Yeah. There's a, there's a quote. Let's see. 
while he's looking for that quote, Josh. Cover? Cover. That's a one. Really? Give it up, Josh. It's beautiful. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's just gray. Yeah, but like you're colorblind, so that's like normal. No. I always play up how bad your colorblind is. I'm no, that, that's, that's monochronism. You're right. <laughs> Interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, that series has a bland, uh, bland attire, and then it's just a single image. But uh, yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, it's just a picture of Adam and Eve carved out of marble next to. Is that a graven image, Josh? No. Okay. I'm going to not read that quote. Because it just, it goes over pluralism. Oh, that'll just Cultural explode. pluralism. And I just, I don't think this episode can handle that much of a tangent. So, okay. <laughs> but very, very good stuff. A little bit of this, this postmodern existentialism that you're talking about, he covers. Oh. Um, which is good. And like basically the first chapter, he, he lays out his thesis well. So yeah, read the first chapter and then find anything else you find interesting in the book. Cool. Probably don't need to read it cover to cover, but I was doing some research, so I did it. And title and author again? Uh, Identity and Idolatry, The Image of God and Its Inversion by Richard Lintz, uh, which is series edited by D.A. Carson from the New Studies in Biblical Theology. By IVP. And they're all gray. Every yeah. single book. But they're, <laughs> they're different colors of gray. It's so stupid. And it doesn't even follow, like, it's not like the first volume is like a gray and then they slowly get more bluish over time. No, mm-hmm. it's just sporadic. Yeah. Anyway. Not even the same, like, texture. Oh, it's like, so I found one the other day that was like a paper, like a, a map. Like a, yeah, more of a matte texture. Yeah, I have my the Covenant and Christology one that I have is just a it's just a different paper. Mm-hmm. Everything's different about it. Yeah, but anyway, um, that's beautiful. Love that. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna get to our topic now, which is an introduction to our slow walkthrough of Acts. Yeah. So what we did with Samuel, we went we walked through all of First Samuel, and before we get to Second Samuel, at some point. We're going to take a little bit of a breather. Going to step outside of the step outside of the Old Testament for our like slow textual walking. Mm-hmm. We're going to hop to the new. We're going to go through Acts. So, you excited? Woo! Yeah. Acts is an interesting book. It's like, and that's all we have to say, guys. <laughs> wow. See you next week. Okay. No. In that outside of the Gospels, which is just four. Essentially, I say this in the biggest quotes possible, four versions of the same thing. Um, then you have Acts, the only other narrative piece in the New Testament. Whereas like the new the old testament has the first five, it has like the Torah, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, X like Yeah, it has, it has all it these has narratives. History. Different types of history going on in that different yeah. subgenres of history than wisdom literature and then songs. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Like- Whereas the New Testament is four versions of the same story and then the history after that story. And then you have a bunch of letters, letters, and then a guy going crazy because he's getting images from God. And then <laughs> and that's the New Testament. Well, I think, I think Acts, well, obviously, Acts does the beautiful connection between. Mm-hmm. It lays. It helps us who are two thousand years later, yes, see the connections between the letters of the from the apostles and all that, and the relationship of of like those that relationship to the gospel, to mm-hmm. Christ's work and life on earth, and as a historical piece about Greek culture, the Mediterranean, 
like the the well, the eastern half of the Roman Empire yep. is so historically important for that whole area. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, and you get a lot of people who say like when you hear people talk about how accurate Luke was as a historian, mm-hmm. there there's a lot of those points in Acts as well. You'll find like he yeah. gets just the names of certain people right, or even as he he opens the letter he. What is it? Is it Theophilus? Yeah. That he, yeah. he entitles it to? Which just means lover of God. So. Yeah. And that could be an open letter to. Anyways, we'll get into that actually when we talk about the first chapter, but yeah, um, not today. Um, couple like, uh, whatever. Authorship and date. Yeah. How do you guys feel about those things? I, f- I landed on it a pretty aggressive 64. <laughs> <laughs> years uh, it, was, it was 64 AD 64 to 65 AD okay mm. um should I break it down quickly if you want to Sim- very simple yeah most scholars believe between 70 and 90 AD uh, f- the next biggest group is around 60 AD and then a far smaller group believe it's later than 90 mm. yeah and so I don't know I've always been stuck with the the thing that Caleb brings up. Caleb, you want to bring it up or me? Uh, sure. Um, the drought. Okay, so one of the, one of the things recorded in Acts is oh, I forget the. Oh man, it would be better if I remember his name. There's a New Testament guy who prof- prophesies about a drought, right? Mm-hmm. In in Jerusalem, and 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 uh, Luke is very intentional about talking about its fulfillment. Cool. Yep. He lays out the Christ's extensive prophecy of uh, the fall of Jerusalem. Doesn't mention its fulfillment in Acts or even or even the Gospels of Luke. Cool. Mm-hmm. That would be huge. Um, the fall of Jerusalem, destruction of the temple, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Which right? happens in 70 AD. 70 AD, yeah. exactly. Also, uh, Paul... Oh, man, I had in my notes when Paul and Peter died. Late 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, mid to late 60s. Neither of that is mentioned. And the gospel, the, 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 not the gospel, the book of Acts ends with the gospel, with a very positive outlook on Rome and Roman leadership. And with the, like the, the statements of, and they, and, you know, they proclaimed in the Roman world unopposed. Yeah. Yeah. And that changed really fast in late 60s. Yeah. uh, Mid to late 60s. When obviously Peter and, Paul died for those reasons alone. I'm super inclined to go. Well, it's, to me, it kind of forces the hand. Yeah. It has to be before those things. You're telling me that Luke would, would know all that, th- that, but not write it down. Yeah. It would help his point. It would, it, it goes into the purpose of the book. It helps mm-hmm. his theological point of mm-hmm. the, the church is the, mm-hmm. is the, the, uh, fulfillment of Israel. Yeah. Um, and the Gentiles are now grafted in and all that kind of stuff, especially with the destruction of Jerusalem. So it, it helps theologically. It helps his purpose as recording early church history. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for him to know all that, but not write it. Is there a counterpoint for that from uh, those who hold the the more mainline view? There are. Um, Could it be that writing those things would have a more, more like political distaste? 
Yeah. Right? Like that would be the idea. Is that yeah. the reason you didn't write them down is because it's like, hey, it's a bit soon, Luke. Like <laughs> it's a bit uh Yeah to be using that right now. It's <sighs> but even then that's not really the strongest, especially not when it seems to set out as a historical work. Um well there's the, the, the main like I'm actually I'm looking at uh there's a New Testament introductory that I'm looking at by what's his name? Gordon. Donald Gerthry. Um the arguments are like, hey, he maybe quotes Josephus, hmm. or hey, he maybe quotes Mark. Also, we, according to the late dating of Mark, well, then Acts can't be after Mark, then, is the argument. Or there's an allusion to Josephus's works, therefore it has to be later than when Josephus completed his works, which we're talking like almost early second century. Hmm. Right? It's stuff like that. Um. Yeah, I'm not, or, or there'll be, there'll be talk about how, well, the, some of the theological conceptions of who Christ is in Acts is a little too, what they also say is like, it's too high of a Christology mm. to match what the early church believed. But also mm. the presupposition is that the early church had a rather low Christology, not one that matches with what we would be, which we would say is encapsulated in the Nicene Creed, that he is God of very God, light of light. Yeah, um, that is Christ is um, because it'll say things like, you know, Christ, that God, God's blood, you know, mm-hmm. on the cross, stuff like that. Um, those would be the arguments. Hmm. I don't find them as compelling. Yep. Fair enough. Seems good to me. Yeah. I mean, we don't usually spend a ton of time on dating, but yeah, I think that was pretty, pretty decent. Thanks, Caleb. But then there's people that believe it's written way later. And uh, he's too accurate with who's in power at what mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's accurate about who's in power at, you know, in over in Greece. And then he goes yeah. back to, to uh, <clears throat> um, Judea and he's accurate with about there. And also there's mm-hmm. some like people know the we passages. Yeah. I think there's four, four or five um, where it, where it appears as though whoever's writing the work. It was with Paul. Is with Paul when those events are going mm-hmm. down, and then he yeah. disappears and comes back, and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's always been held that Luke was the writer, mm-hmm. been assumed that, and yeah. it doesn't seem really if you can if you can for whatever reason this is a this is a jump for some people if you can acknowledge that hey maybe one of Paul's traveling companions could have written the mm-hmm. account, well then the, the natural obvious and only clear answer is Luke. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah. Well, and the the thing that was pointed out by IVP Bible background commentaries um, was the use of we is like the people that assert that the we is fictitious or in other terms uh, don't understand that the majority of like the use of we in first century writings is rarely ever fictitious. fictitious. Yeah. And so and it's a modern assertion onto the text. That's Keener, right? Yeah. Okay. He has the largest commentary on Acts. Yeah. I have ever seen. It's four <laughs> volumes. It's like, it's like 3000 pages. Yeah. And you're getting all of the historical stuff in his Bible background <laughs> commentary. Like it's just, yeah. That's insane. Imagine putting that much work into. He's an insomniac. Eh? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. That's why he writes so much. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I did know that. Yeah. 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 Weird. 
A little cool. bit of tidbit for you, listener. Uh. <laughs> if you're Craig Keener, uh, don't ask how we know that. That's just, just weird. We, uh, uh, you sleep on that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so he also proposes that there are two purposes for Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, like together, people will say it's one or the other. He proposes that it's both, that it's both a legal purpose and apologetic purpose. Um, the apologetic purpose being this is what the church did. And the legal purpose being this was for Paul. And that it was, he wrote it for both purposes. Yeah. I think, I think there's also, because it's the second volume mm-hmm. of his work, like Luke acts, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think there's a little bit also of, um, you know, many people have labored to, yeah. to, to make a, a, a catalog of, of the happenings, but I'm going to, you know, blah, 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 dear philosophers. Yeah. And we'll get into that when we actually cover that in our, in our mm-hmm. chapter covering that. But I think just simple fact of recording the history for the, for whoever Theophilus is, yeah. is also, is also a factor. Yes. It's just, yes. Well, and that would be the, the apologetic point is that like, he's writing this for whoever this person is for the case of like, Hey, this is because you have become a Christian. Here's. Oh, I thought you were talking about, Oh, I've, I, sorry. Yeah. I assumed something, something else. Um, I've heard the argument that it's written as an apologetic at Paul's trial. No, no, no. That's the legal yeah. purpose. Uh, I see. Yeah. I see. So the legal purpose is for, for like Paul, like saying, hey, he's about to go to trial and this is Luke coming in helpful for his friend who's he's traveled with um, on like here. This is what the guy did. Here's proof. Um, and you can. Uh, but also to the the major reason being for Theophilus, this person, this is the, you believe in this? Here's what's happened because of what you believe. Yeah. 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 This is what you believe in. And that's why it kind of leads up towards, well, it, it, it catalogs the entirety of what Paul has done. Yeah. Um, maybe not meticulously, but in, in its entirety. Yeah. Yeah. It's at least. Yeah. I well, mean. Well, and well, it's it. Ha- there's no shortage of theological messaging and ordering of events. Not just necessarily ordering, but let's say prioritizing of certain events and highlighting stuff and and the way things are presented. Um, it is not really a theologically didactic book. No, mm. yeah, not not in the same way that Paul's letters are, or even some of the Gospels. Um, it's it's a little yeah. more, a little more historical like that. Yeah, let's cover some of the the wording that we're going to use because even as you say, like a little more didactic. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's go over that. Sure. Well, I think didactic meaning like in like verbal teaching of yeah. these are the the set things coming from the Greek word to teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's get into kerygma. Yeah, that was the one that actually I was thinking. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, do you want to do you want to just go over the kerygma? So I know you have a more specific understanding of it because you've read Kerygma outside of Acts. But when we say Kerygma, we're specifically talking about the beliefs and teachings of the early church. Um, so when we're going over Acts and we talk about the Kerygma, it's what does this teaching, this uh, even we'll get to when Peter preaches a couple of times. Um, those are examples of um, didactic, you know, teaching. Um, but it's also examples of kerygma. What did they believe? What did they preach as a community? Like what brought the early church together, um, both in belief and in like 
actual wording, mm -hmm. right? And uh, yeah, so as we go through Acts, you'll hear kerygma quite a few times. So don't be confused. It's a a word to simplify a wider idea. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone uses it in the modern sense, do they? Uh, the, one college prof of mine, yeah. The modern church's kerygma? Oh, no. Modern that's, church's that's kerygma? Uh, sorry. I thought you meant no one in the modern church uses it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, no, it's in, it's in other books as well. But um, not that I've heard. Normally, it's specifically used yeah, for like an or, ancient understanding. Yeah. And not even just like second century Christianity. They're talking mm -hmm. like at, in the time of the New Testament penning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you have some, what's his name? C.H. Dodd? What's his name? Oh, whatever. I haven't read the book. Regardless, there are some scholars who have used, there's the New Testament, not New Testament, there's a first century um, early church document called the Didache. Um, could be have even, and, and I think it even likely so personally, um, existed before the penning of um, Revelation. Okay. You're talking written mm -hmm. in the New Testament time. If it itself wasn't written, it's actually a compilation of four other documents, but that's fine. Several of those documents then would have existed during the apostles' lifetime, mm. um, which is why the Didache is often called the teaching of the apostles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and really, what it is, it's kind of it's kind of like your your manual handbook of how, what is a church, what is the Christian belief, yeah. in, like you know, how do you do a church, how do you do a baptismal service, what does it mean, what is mm -hmm. it? like very introductory, very basic. Mm -hmm. So several scholars have tried to make connections between what is the kerygma the early church believing in core identity, core, core identifying, uh, identity defining beliefs of Christianity in Acts. And how do we tie that to the Didache? Because they're, they're not even a generation apart. Mm -hmm. And some have done it with to a greater or lesser degree of success. But there is connections. So that's fascinating. And that would make sense if that was written by the apostles. And this is written about the church. Yeah. So, and the, the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just like the sword of the Lord. What, what? It's the Acts of the Apostles. Oh my goodness. No. The things that the apostles did. Oh, mm. oh man. I've been, ACT. I've been spelling this wrong in all of my notes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not A-X-E. Well, that's not the subject, guys. Come on, let's keep going. That's what St. Boniface <laughs> was using against Yggdrasil, oh, right? That's so deep, too. Listen to our Christmas episode for an explanation of maybe that joke. <laughs> it's not worth it. Anyway, moving on. Um, so there's a couple ways to break. There's four ways that we have broken down the book of Acts. Sorry, three ways. And then a cool point. Um, uh, so we kind of did it like serious. And then we did the last ones like kind of like a goofy picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the first way to break it down, which was the way Caleb kind of saw um saw a progression in the book of Acts, which was the numerical growth of the church mm. um, in five points. Do you want to cover that? No, go for it. I've okay. talked way too much. So first is you see the church grow in the book of Acts because in the, and we'll talk about this throughout the series, but there is a deep connection between the, the book of Joshua, but also after Sinai. Mm -hmm. um, the progression of Israel going into the land and the book of Acts describing the church and Paul 
spreading the church throughout Israel and then also the wider world. Also because it's the same area for some of it. Um, but the you see the same growth in the same patterns of people moving and stuff like that. And so you see the church growing. In the beginning, you have on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 are added, it says. Mm. And then after that, you hear um, added day by day those who were being saved. So, so the whole verse yes. is they ate together. Mm-hmm. And then day by day those who were being saved. Yes. <laughs> And I just, I like that they ate together. That's a big, that's important part (laughs) for me. You know, it's something funny that I've noticed. Mm -hmm. Um, Three churches, two of which that I visited, one of which I go to. Yeah. Um, They grow. And you know what they all, the, of those three churches that I've gone to recently, of which they always have after every service, they have like coffee and tea and like, you Mm -hmm. know, snacks. Yes. Every service. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it works. Yeah. Yeah. Eating yeah. together is incredibly important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not a full blown meal, but just the social aspect is huge. It's yeah. one of the first things I ever preached on, actually. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I had gotten back from a missions trip and they got me to do a testimony. And uh they're like, Yeah, what do you think like actually worked well? I'm like, eating together, dude. <laughs> like just eating together with people. Gib. That's how you get to know people. Gib food. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. So you have this in the first moment of the church, like starting is when Peter gives his speech. You get 3000 people convert, come into the church. And then you have after that, just day by day, people are being saved as this movement is growing. And then you have up to 5,000 by the time of Peter's explanation of the lame man is healed in verse in chapter four. And then you have, sorry. Yes. In chapter four, 32, you have soon a multitude. And then after that, multitudes yeah and then later on there's the term thousands thrown around thousand yeah. is thrown around elsewhere and then thousands it's it's just and then at the end of the book there's the church grows throughout rome and the empire yeah without opposition it's it's clear that in acts luke is mm-hmm. trying to get across that it's just hey there's just this mo- ball of momentum accumulating yeah and, and the, the like with the perspective of you know it's Salvation is coming to all people everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then you have another breakdown of Acts it is the geographical growth. So from chapters one to eight, you're there in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And then from chapters eight to 12, they're in Samaria and Judea. And then uh, in chapters 12 to 28, they're to the ends of the earth. And this is the second way that we're breaking yes or like yes. we noticed acts could well, be breaking down. and and that matches what jesus says to them like exactly in his ascension in 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 chapter one so chapter one uh verse eight but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth yeah um i have a funny little thought about this with the ends of the earth thing so there's like there's a three there's a it's you can read it on whether all of Judea and Samaria is one thing or yeah. whether that's two things. It depends, depending on who you're reading, they'll say there's four phases, mm-hmm. Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then all the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. Or they'll say there's three, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and all the earth. Regardless, and, it doesn't matter. Well, and, and the way you can look at that, if you're going to pair them together, is Judea and Samaria together is old Israel. Mm-hmm. And so you go from city to nation to the world. Yeah. Well, I think you end up, yes, I think yeah. you have Jerusalem, right? Mm-hmm. Like the holy city. 
Then you have Judea, uh, classically considered like the the the, yeah. the more the 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 more puritanical yeah. religious elite. Then you have Samaria, the people who are actually half Jews. Yes, and then you have all the earth, the Gentiles. Yes, the Gentiles. And so, like, there's this like from the inner the inner cell of mm-hmm. like you know Second Temple Judaism outward going first from the from in Jerusalem the most elite and then mm-hmm. less 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 but the interesting that, thing that I that I find at least I find it interesting um it goes into the ends of the earth mm-hmm. that's what Jesus says right it's what the the pattern that acts follows yes um like it does end with Paul in Rome yeah Rome the center of the known world Mm-hmm. Is where the gospel ends. Here's my theory, at least why, because I think it's I think it's a play mm-hmm. on words and kind of a the center of pagan power, which is the furthest thing away from God, mm-hmm. right? That's the end of the earth. You yes. cannot get further from God than the center yeah. of a of a foreign dictatorial evil pagan society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you also have Roman world that the Roman Empire was the entire world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was the whole thing, mm-hmm. and so you've also got that idea of they're they're at the edges of the map that they've that they have. You're right, but the book yeah. ends with yes. Paul getting to the center of what of what Roman people would think. Yes, is and yet the book, at least thematically, calls that yes the edge of the earth, the ends of the earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I think it's a play on it's a, it's a. It's a play on those people who are mm-hmm. furthest away from God. That's the, yeah. the ends of the earth. Yeah. Mm. You've also got to, if people listened to our Genesis episode, you've also got like the city, nation, world. You've got a repetition of also that idea of like three Intrinsic concentric rings, rings yeah. of now it's the garden, the te- like the Eden garden, the world. And yeah. so like you've got the idea of the glory of God being spread out from the center mm-hmm. which is cool too yeah um yeah so then you have generally this is i took it just a text outline from ff or like versus, acts yeah like act one act two uh, yeah exactly like what happens as the story progresses and so you've got chapters one to five you've got the birth of the church this is the church is formulating peter and the church are essentially creating like the group the the system this is, we have deacons now, we have, this is how you tithe, this is the, people are dedicating themselves to prayer and the teachings of the disciples. Like, you've got the, you've got the structure and the formation of church starting. And then you have, from chapter six to nine, you've got persecution, which leads to expansion. Mm. Um, and so, you've got, the, the church starts to spread out from where it currently is, and the church is starting to de- get hit with People are starting to notice it. It's getting out of hand. The The religious structures don't like it. Um, and then you've got from chapters 9 to 12, you've got the Acts of Peter and the beginning of the Gentile church, Christianity. Um, uh, be- the, the Christianity acts, doesn't begin with the Gentile church. <laughs> no, the begin <laughs> the Acts of Peter and the beginnings of the of Gentile Christianity. Mm. So the idea of mm. before this, you've got it's Jewish. And then now Gentiles are getting brought in with Peter going through that whole situation. Yeah. I still yeah. don't like the wording, but okay, well, it's fine. Yes. 
the idea that Gentiles are now being brought into that. Yeah, but like Jews aren't in Christianity. They're Christians. Yes. Okay, cool. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. I was trying to figure what you're... That actual- becomes a highlighted thing later on in Paul's That's conversation. That's for when we do that problem. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea of Peter having to break that mindset yeah. of this is not Judaism. This is a new thing. And it's what it's supposed to become. And the idea of Jews and Christian Jews and Gentiles is gone mm-hmm. that you are now Christians. And that's what God's trying to drill into Peter's head. But Peter's got a thick skull, like all of us. Um, my man. Yep. <laughs> Representative of us all. Yep. <laughs> uh, foot and mouth syndrome. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so you've got basically like, it starts off with section three chapters, nine to 12. You've got Peter. And then chapter four is you've got Paul. Section four, which starts in chapter 13 to 16. You've got Paul's first missionary tour and the apostolic decree. You've got all that stuff. And then it goes into the e, Paul's evangelism, evangelization on the Aegean shores, as it's called. So Christianity proclaimed in Europe. Yes, exactly. Um, it is moving out of Asia into mm. Europe. And then in 19 to 28, you've got Paul's plan to visit Rome and gets there by unforeseen route. And that is his whole trip back to Jerusalem, gets uh, arrested for bringing in a Gentile to the temple. Yeah, supposedly. Some stuff going on there. Mm. He gets beat up, pulls out his passport. They're like, oh, man, we're beating up a Roman citizen. That No, that happens in, in that doesn't happen in Jerusalem. You're right. Happens in Rome. Yes. It, it happens in Colo- Colossae? Does it happen in Colossae? Mm-hmm. I'm, it's, I'm not sure. It's somewhere in in Greece. That's the Laodicea time when he's getting attacked with uh, because they think he's Zeus and Hermes. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he got bitten by the snake. Nope, that happens in on Malta. Well, that's when they think he's Zeus. Yeah. No, because him and Barnabas are, are yeah. called Zeus and whatnot. Oh, you're right. I think. I think. Man, it's going to be embarrassing for all of us, I think. <laughs> Either I'm right about it and I'm doing real good, <laughs> yeah. or... <laughs> yeah, one of the two. I'm going to put my vote with you. Um, and then, uh, so he goes through that whole trial, um, gets put in prison. I appeal the guy to said, Caesar. Yes, the guy says, I'll get to it. A year passes or time passes. New guys in charge now. Wait, there's a guy in prison. We don't know why. Uh, they talk to him. I appeal to Caesar. He goes to Rome. Yeah. And meets with either Caesar or a prefect. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Tradition has him meet with Nero, if my memory is right. Either way, he's beheaded. Yep. Um, yeah. And meeting with Nero is a wild image. Could you imagine... <sighs> but it, it never obviously it never says that like when we talk about the death of paul that is something mm-hmm. that is in tradition right yeah yeah it is it's not recorded in it's not recorded in in, in, in scripture yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 he's beheaded outside the city because yeah. yeah. that's how a roman citizen is punished yes yes because they're not crucified no. um yeah and then you have generally we're going to go over Paul's missionary journeys, but that's not the breakdown of the book. No, we might even do a whole 
distinct episode on that at some point. We will. Maybe maybe take a hiatus as we're yep. going through yeah through acts and focus on that. Let's so I've always found lectures on Paul's journey to be like a hard listen. Yeah. Right? Because it, it is, there's a lot of uh, piecing together timelines and things, and sometimes mm-hmm. that doesn't work over an audio format. So we'll record something, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's not immediately obvious reading acts and the letters what it is that paul does on his journeys yeah you have to like you said you have to piece some things together from different notes from different books there's even like uh things that are implied from his letters Mm -hmm. that you have to then plug in and say like well where does this fit in his journeys Mm -hmm. and acts right um which also puts some fun some fun uh work to do for dating certain epistles yeah yeah no acts both it helps immensely to mm-hmm. understand the epistles. Yeah. It also creates some interesting questions. Not like they're impossible. They're just like, what? yeah, it makes, it makes it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So he has, he has three journeys. He went on a fourth one. He wanted to go on. Maybe did. Maybe didn't. Did you think he went all the way to Spain? I don't know. Okay. I, 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 I haven't done enough work on it. Yeah, me either. Yeah. <laughs> so the but that's first, a big point of contention, right? Whether he actually made it to Spain or not. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So we'll get to there. Uh, the first missionary journey is to Cyprus and Southern Anatolia. Mm-hmm. That's Turkey uh, for people. Yes. Uh, the second is through Anatolia and the east side of Greece, mm-hmm. stopping in Ephesus shortly on the return. Uh, and the third is very similar to the second with some variations. Uh, in these trips, span about 12 to 15 years of Paul's life. Mm-hmm. And although he had intentions to make a fourth trip to Iberia, Spain, which is what Spain was called at the yeah. time, yeah, Iberia, uh, it was cut short with his arrest in Jerusalem. Yeah. So the fourth tour would have been, if potentially he did, potentially he didn't get all the way to Spain. Yeah. But he does go to Rome. Mm-hmm. Maybe he gets arrested a second time after coming back from Spain, and then that's when he dies, or he doesn't leave and dies. Yes. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. If he did, that would be... The, the idea of him getting to Spain and it not being recorded in the same way that there might have been a third book in the... Uh, Corinthians? Uh, well, no, yes, but also like the a sequel to Acts that people theorize. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, ah. Meh. yeah, Meh. Well, just the idea that like maybe they did exist, but it doesn't matter for scripture. Well, it's not. It wasn't. It wasn't what God intended for us to use yes. as as our ultimate court of appeal. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And by that you mean it wasn't around when we were doing, or at least didn't make it through the uh, yeah, um, yeah, the canonization of scripture. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Well, I, I'm not going to like make any promises to the audience, but what I do want to ask you guys, if if we're ready to do this yeah. part of the podcast, what in Acts are you guys looking forward to talking about? Like, what's like your favorite part and why? The part that interests me the most, like intellectually, like, whoa, like, what? That's so cool, um, is actually right in the beginning. And it's the Matthias becoming 
mm-hmm. uh, the replacement of Judas. Replacement of Judas, um, because he's also. Does that make him? Yeah, that makes him. There's thirteen apostles plus one minus one. Um, yeah. Because you have minus Judas plus apostle, yeah. uh, plus Paul. I'm excited to to dissect Stephen's Stephen's speech. Mm-hmm. That was hard for me to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, at um, the stoning of Stephen. I, 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 Stephen's speech is the stoning of Stephen. Yeah, well, that happens after the speech, not before. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just making tongue twisters. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I'm excited to, to get into that. I'm excited to get into the First Council of Jerusalem. Yep. Um, and personally, I'm excited about uh, the amount of times baptism shows up, but that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you think we're going to be... Hitting that a couple times? Yeah, whether or not oh. Colton and I argue about it on the podcast, we yeah. will be after. Well, that and we're we're also going to have to confront our dis... Our, yeah. Because we've got Pentecostals in this group, we're going to have to talk about spirit baptism too. Yeah, that actually might be yeah. the first episode. <laughs> yeah. Because it's right there. I um, won't be here. Really? Yep. He's going to be true. Strong. Yeah. I get to you skip out on that one. Anyway. I will save it for you, buddy. Don't Ooh. worry. Um... <laughs> I'm like in a in a current like modern day situation. Um, I'm against book burning. <laughs> I think it's very interesting <laughs> that that was the way that the Ephesians turned from um, their. Is it their version of burning the idols? Yeah, and that's that's what you got to yeah. tie it into, right? Like, from is, is that the what they were elements of worship? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that's and that's one of the. Like I read, oh, what was it? Clint E. Arnold mm. has a bunch of great stuff on Ephesians, both uh, Colossians stuff and <laughs> Ephesians. Sorry. I thought you were going to say he had a lot of great stuff on burning books. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, he has a, gr- a lot of good stuff on what the occult practice and um, religious mindset is in those in yeah. that area. Like the cult of Dionysus, less that like uh, Artemis stuff like that. Okay, um, and how in in Ephesus there was there was a big market, and you even see this with uh, Alexander the, co- the coppersmith, silversmith. Oh no, I don't remember now. Whatever the one who causes the the Ephesian riot, mm. who stirs up the people. Um, there's a big market on like, you know trinkets that are inscribed certain runes and certain phrases yeah. that bring this luck and that luck and this this and stuff into your life coppersmith coppersmith um and books and religious texts also have a big significance in that and so one of the things in the modern conception of books is that they are repositories of information yeah not religious artifacts that emanate things in of themselves because if they're because if those books in that passage are articulated in the latter yeah then their burning makes way more sense yeah they probably weren't burning history books not in the same way we think of like yeah when a a conquering arbor army comes in and you know wants to wipe out the previous history or yeah or like it's not that kind of thing yeah it's uh it's a turning away from my that'll be good i'm looking forward to that yeah, I'll probably, you know, look into that a little bit more. Yeah. But uh, 
Oh, and, and snake. <laughs> snake. Tommy gets bit by snake and everyone's like, why? That, that didn't and kill then, you? And then starts and a whole denomination like, about yeah. purposely getting bit by snakes to show that you're a Christian. The origin of snake church. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I remember that time that uh, Benny Hinn or whatever. Paul specifically actually allowed himself to be bit by a snake. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> no, that's a, that's, a, that's a funny joke about the misappropriation of scripture to prove your point in bad churches where people purposely got... Now, to be fair, I don't want to, like, call people out for not seeing, right, like, red flags in their churches. <laughs> but if it's, like, a venomous snake, <laughs> it's not, like... Well, there's a level in which you are testing the Lord. Really? <laughs> but it says in the end of Mark that they will handle poisonous snakes. Yes. Not be bitten. Yes. So they will drink what? poison. They will, but they won't they won't they won't do it on purpose and test God about it. <laughs> ah. Yes. Hmm. And and you've also got the the more standard idea of like Moses who is the, the tamer of chaos and the defeater of the serpent. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Just Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. High abstract thought. <laughs> what about the archetypical like mage of <laughs> Moses? Do you think the four pillars of the earth are the archetype of, you know, Moses staff going into the mm. Red Sea? Well, I can see where you're going with that, Josh, but, you know. Short studies in biblical theology. One of them is the uh, uh, the, the biblical theology of servants mm-hmm. throughout the Old and New Testament. Snakes. And one of, the, one of the symbols that you see that God uses in some of the people of the Old Testament to show that they are his chosen person of use at the time is them defeating or having power over serpents. Uh, mm. You have Moses turning the staff into the serpent. You have Saul defeating Nekash, the serpent, the man that's name is serpent. You have the the creation of the bronze serpents. You have the disciples being told blah, 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 blah. And it's the use of the defeating of serpents in the same way that the promise of the original yeah. Messiah would crush the head of the serpent. That's awesome. That's and awesome. So, you should do something. We should write that. a book about it and call it For Goodness Snakes. <laughs> It's good. That'd be pretty solid. Um, Maybe we should start Snake Church. Anyways, no. all, all that to say, people misunderstanding the text to say, hey, I can just take a snake whenever I want and get bit by it is not seeing the image for what it is. But if you, if that's what you believe, I encourage you. No. <laughs> we as second rate saints. Yeah. The farthest we'll go is Gecko Church. Anyways, <laughs> next 15 minutes could save you 15 minutes. <laughs> You said a guard Geico church. church. <laughs> well, this is involved. Tie this fifteen percent here, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. There's just so many good snake jokes. Yeah. Yeah. What of it? <laughs> you know what's better than online? Yep. Just like you guys shouldn't what go around doing? saying, "Hey, Keener." What are you it. doing? Why are you going to Boomer tangents? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I was gonna, I was gonna say, just better like, than seeing it on the internet. Why are you he says going? on his podcast. Why? That's what I was gonna go. I was gonna go to the point of like, you know, don't believe everything you hear on an audio form podcast like this one, yeah. or like the intro of our 
podcast where it says, weigh what you hear with what you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does say that. I waited for about a second. <laughs> <laughs> then I shared my opinion. Um, man, we've devolved. Nah. It's pretty second rate of us. Yeah, that's okay. I think it's going to be an interesting read. I think that uh, Axe has a lot to say about um, what church is supposed to look like, <laughs> right? Or not necessarily what it's supposed to look like, but what the essence of our gathering together should be, right? What is fellowship? What is mission? Like, what is um, the expansion of the church even? Like, what what does a, a healthy growing church look like? The purpose and, of the um, local church, yeah. And why eating food together and, is... The way you get people to come to your church. The way you grow is by nice. eating food. Very good, Josh. Uh, <laughs> it's and that's mix. why eating the Lord's Supper together, eating the Eucharist, is how a church grows. I'm getting spiritually It's how big. a body grows. Milk and solid food, brothers. Anyway. No, I'm... <laughs> what I'm more excited for is we went through Samuel, and that was awesome, actually. I, I liked getting into the nitty-gritty and doing it like week by week with you guys. Great. Not a lot of pastoral care stuff in, uh, in Samuel. In fact, murdering kings is like not super applicable to everyday ministry. So what I am excited for is um, kind of bouncing some stuff off the wall when it comes to um, a, a more Evangelistic. modern representation of the church. Mm, yes. Yeah. Lovely. Do we? Uh, well, you sound very excited, Caleb. Do we want to end it here? Probably a little bit, yeah. Uh, Joel, <laughs> you know what to do. This has been Second Rate Saints. You can check us out at www.secondratesaints.com. Please ask a parent before going online. What? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that's from the Family Channel. Anyways, um, if you'd like to contribute to the financial growth of Second Rate Saints and the expansion of whatever we're doing here, um, go to buymeacoffee.com slash secondratesaints.com. Yes. <laughs> Slash second rate saints. I don't think there's a dot com at the end of that. Um, it has been so great to uh, go over Axe, and I'm excited to see. You. I'm just spiraling. That's what we do best here. <sighs> I do. I do like the spiral. Yeah, it's been fun. Love all of you. Please contact us. It makes my day. I know it makes the rest of the other guys here's day. And we'll do our best to Caleb, respond. I do the outros. What are you doing? You're not doing it very well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but we can't change things. He still has to finish it. Okay, you can uh, send us a comment or email. <laughs> at a, or you can email us at secondratesaints at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, have a great week and happy new year. Bye. Uh, Bye. What, what, what?